This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams, delighted and happy to be with you today. I certainly am. Looking forward to hearing from you right here on Women of Grace Live. I love to hear from you. I love to have that holy conversation with you. I love to hear how it is that our Lord Jesus Christ is showing up in your life. And, you know, I'm here to answer any questions and to uh, take your comments as well as your insights, inspirations, or words of encouragement. Let me give you a toll-free number that you can use. Let's keep the lines busy today. That's always a delight for me. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live, where we love to have that holy conversation. Amen and hallelujah. We're also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page, inviting you to use the chat feature there. Simply put in your question or comment, your insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement, and we'll retrieve it and get it up on the board and we'll be able to address it. Uh, Matthew Gubensky is on the phones today. You can give him a howdy hey when you call in. I'm not sure if it's Charles or Michael that's out there on the phone uh, on uh, social media, but I'm going to let you know in just a moment. It's Rich Jesse that's doing the producing, pushing those buttons and keeping us up on the air. So we invite you to join this happy little group here today. Again, that toll-free number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Don't be shy. Give it a try. Don't delay. As I like to say, call right away. I cannot help myself. I don't know what it is. I love to rhyme. What can I say? All of that being said, I want to share with you just some nice things that are going on, uh, more than nice, really holy things and lovely things uh, to help you uh, enter into the Lenten season, which will be starting tomorrow with Ash Wednesday, right? Um, to enter into that uh, with you know a heart that is ready to receive. God has abundant graces that he wants for you to receive. He certainly does. And Holy Mother Church offers us these liturgical seasons that we might be open opened up to those graces that God desires we come to know in him and through him. Uh, So let me just uh, share with you a few things that are going on right at, uh, uh, through EWTN radio, some really, really great things. We're going to be having some Lenten meditations that are available for you. Uh, It is going to be uh, Father Benedict Groeschel presenting them. It's called Lent Today. They're going to be scattered throughout our programming all through the day. Uh, These, you know, are just priceless. They're timeless messages and they're available for you. In addition to that, we're going to have some Lenten reflections coming to us from the Basilica Shrine of Our Lady of Walsingham in uh, England. Uh, And I know that we've got listeners from England and, you know, I I want you to be listening because this is coming from your your homeland, right? Uh, But in addition to that, we here in the States and in other places have the opportunity to take advantage of them. And these are going to be airing at 6.30 a.m., uh, no, 6 o'clock a.m. and 11.30 p.m. And and I, I don't have that message right in front of me right here, Rich, but I think, I think that's on Sunday. Is it on Sunday, Rich? 
He's going to let me know. I know that he is. So I will uh, update you. Yes, it's on Sunday. <laughs> good, good. My memory's not so bad after all. Uh, so we're looking forward to you joining uh, those Lenten Reflections on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. and then repeating at 11.30 p.m. So those are some great offerings that are available for you via EWTN Radio. You're going to want to keep uh, EWTN Radio on all of the time if you can because of the great messages that will be scattered throughout the day uh, being brought to us uh, by these, uh, the beautiful, beautiful insights of Father Benedict Groeschel of Happy Memory. Lent today uh, is, is just uh, this beautiful offering that he gives to us. So all of that being said, we too at Women of Grace have some things coming up for you. And I was telling you uh, about some of the uh, exciting things and really and truly beginning uh, this weekend, I'm going to be at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church in State College, Pennsylvania, inviting you to join me there. If you're in that area, anywhere around, uh, I think that we can accommodate a lot of people because of the church, the size of the church. Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church there in State College is offering an evening parish-wide presentation this Friday night. Begins at 6.30 p.m. Stations of the Cross. I will do uh, a presentation at 7 p.m. Thriving as Catholics in a Post-Truth World. Uh, My talk will be followed by confession and adoration. Uh, What a beautiful opportunity to get our, our footing, you know, firmly planted as we begin this beautiful liturgical season. In addition to that, on Saturday, February 17th, there at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church, from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m., I'll be spending a day with the ladies. It's a Catholic women's conference. It'll start with Mass at 9 a.m., hoping that all of you come for that. The day itself, registration beginning at 9.45, breakfast served at that same time. It'll be immediately followed by welcome and introductions. My first talk will be at 10.15 a.m., and that first talk is Who is Woman?, our special call and mission in a challenging world. You know, this is a great topic, ladies, to begin to consider as we go through the Lenten season. What is God trying to work in you and through you uh, by way of the redemptive grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? You know, what is it that he wants to do through you as woman? Uh, So we'll be exploring that together. What is our special call? What is our special mission? Uh, At 11.15, we'll have some discussion questions uh, for the group. At 12 noon, Holy Hour of Eucharistic adoration and recitation of the Holy Rosary at 1 p.m. lunch, and then at 1.40 p.m., uh, excuse me, 1.45 p.m., my second talk, executing the mission. So what's the mission in the first talk? How do we execute it in the second talk? And I will be giving you the steps to success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S, each letter representing a step. Uh, I think it's going to be very beneficial. I am excited about it, to tell you the truth. I cannot wait. 2.45 p.m., we'll have discussion questions, 3.15. I'll take some questions and answers. And at 4 p.m., farewell, a feeder saying, adieu, Uh, we'll say goodbye to you. Uh, But all that is going to be wonderful. So excited about it. Uh, Hats off to Karen Kearney, who has been working uh, on this uh, so laboriously for a while there, to the church, to Father for inviting me. Uh, What a great grace it's going to be for me, for Nancy Weimer, one of our other women of grace, uh, not far from that area, who has assisted. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, you know, yay. Plus, you know, it's exciting for me too, uh, just in the sense that I haven't been in Happy Valley for a long, long time. So I'm eager to get back up to the place of my alma mater, but not nearly as excited as I am to see all of you. Want to let you know that we've got two webinars coming up through Women of Grace in this Lenten season. 
All of these things are listed in our upcoming events there on the homepage of our website. Uh, this online webinar, first one out of the box, is with Father Jordi Rivero. And I am so excited <clears throat> to have this opportunity to meet Father Jordi. I've not met him personally. He knew Mother Angelica quite well, as a matter of fact. I think that the Friars uh, have known Father Jordi. And I am eager to make his acquaintance, if only through the webinar. He's going to be talking with us about Blessed Conchita and her spirituality uh, given to us, you know, in all of her writings, but, you know, really emphasized in a certain way in her book, little book, Seasons of the Soul, a beautiful book, uh, so appropriate for this season of the year, which is the Lenten season. Uh, and that is a kickoff webinar for our book study that will be beginning with Sue Brinkman on March 4th. Come for the webinar alone or come for the webinar in, in, in conjunction with the book study. We just want you to come. All of the information there. Uh, more to talk with you about on the other side of the break. But most importantly, I want to hear from you. 833-288-EWTN. That's the way that you can call in. In addition to all of that available for you uh, through EWTN Radio's YouTube channel, Facebook page, it is Michael McCall retrieving your questions. Matthew Gubensky on the phones. Rich Jesse making it all happen. We're coming right back. Stay with us. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 1-833-288-EWTN. 1-833-288-3986. Well, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Eager to hear from you right here. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us. Hoping you're going to give me a call. The phone lines are open, ready for you. Matthew Gabensky is there, eager to hear from you. Uh, Michael McCall is out there in social media land. He is eager to hear from you too. Just leave your questions or comments for him at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and or Facebook page. He'll retrieve it and get it up on the board. I was sharing with you about some of the things going on uh, in the Lenten season. I was telling you about some of the special presentations EWTN Radio uh, will be providing. There's even more. We'll go through some more of those uh, tomorrow. Uh, but in addition to that, I wanted to let you know that we've got another online webinar. So it's like a trifecta of things happening at Women of Grace. I love that. You know, I love things in threes. I don't know why that is. I think it's very Trinitarian though. But anyway, February 27th, online webinar with Father Chris Alar. I know you love Father Chris Alar. Uh, he's going to be with us. We're so excited. Uh, dive into the Divine Mercy image, a deep exploration. He's going to take us deeply into this image of Divine Mercy. Uh, you know, the Divine Mercy image is just beautiful. Uh, it, 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 it expresses so many things. In, in that sense, it's, it's, it's an icon, right? Uh, it's teaching us theological truths uh, through what it is that we see in the image. And we know the overall general gist of it. And I think that we know some of the, you know, main components of it and what it means. But Father Chris is going to take us deeper than what we probably probably know. Uh, you know, he is going to really reveal to us some of the uh, less recognized uh, uh teachings, if you will, that are being shown to us through this image and through what it is that we see. Uh, you know, uh, an icon 
is, you know, I'm going to use this word pictograph, and I don't mean to demean uh, the beauty and the wonder of icons by using it, but a pictograph is something that through the picture is 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 telling you a story. Uh, you know, the the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, is is a pictograph. It tells us a story. When Juan Diego saw that image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, or when he re- saw Our Lady of Guadalupe in, in, in the environment in which she was and everything about it, it was speaking a word to him. And that word was conveyed to us by way of this image being imprinted on the tilma. And, and so we can go deeply into uh, the, 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 the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and all of the components of it and find great spiritual truths being expressed. Well, it's the same with the divine mercy image and, and any icon really is like that. Uh, an icon in and of itself it, it, it contains sort of a presence. Uh, this is what, uh, you know, iconographers uh, talk with us about and what the Eastern Church teaches it. There's a type of a presence uh, that is there in, in that, that image that, that is communicating to us. And I don't mean in a spooky sense or an occult sense. I mean, by way of it, the Holy Spirit uses it. So it's the Holy Spirit uh, communicating to us um, through what it is that we see. And so Father Chris Alar is going to be taking us into all of that. And you can register right online at our website, womenofgrace.com. So all kinds of good things. I'm going to hold on to some of the others for, uh, you know, another moment in time, maybe in our program. But I really do want to hear from you. Uh, let's light up these lights uh, on, on my board. And in lighting those up, you light up the life in me. <laughs> 833-288-3986 is the way that you can join us. That's 833 EWTN. Uh, if you're outside of North America, and by the way, that number is toll free for you in North America. But if you're outside of North America, you can call us at this number, country code 1205-271-2985. That's country code 1205-271-2985. Please do call us uh, right here uh, on Women of Grace Live so that we can have that holy conversation uh, with you. want to recall uh, uh, the uh, opportunity that I have had yesterday to speak with Reg Platt. Now, Reg Platt is the founder of Project Joseph, which is a very particular project uh, of the uh, 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 there in Dallas, uh, out of the Archdiocese of, of uh, Fort Worth, Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth. I never know which way those two names come together. But anyway, right there. And this is a, a very, very beautiful ministry. Uh, and this ministry is a ministry to men who are men who are post-abortive, meaning that they participated in some way, participated in some way in the procuring of an abortion. Uh, And so whether it was by encouragement, uh, whether it was by actual involvement, such as driving the woman to the abortion clinic or paying for the abortion, uh, or even may I say, uh, you know, basically stranding the woman in her distress who felt she had no other option, um, uh, or whether it was apparent. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm often surprised by the number of women who testify to the fact that it was their fathers that insisted that they have an abortion and drove them to the abortion clinic, uh, even if they didn't want it, uh, the abortion. So that being said, uh, there are, you know, men have been very complicit in this in this area, and we know of the uh, post-abortive stress that women have gone through, the healing that is required for them. And the fact of the matter is, the same holds true for the men. Uh, but 
there's very little that has been done for the men. Project Joseph seeks to correct that, and it's a wonderful ministry. And I want for you to become uh, more aware of it so that if you know anyone who is in that situation, if you yourself, uh, sir, have been in that position and and you know that this has had an impact on you, maybe it's led to depression, maybe it's led uh, to an inability to commit to relationship, maybe it's affected the way in which you interact with your children, Um, maybe it is the deep sense of shame uh, that you feel that that you were complicit in the death of your own child, uh, you know, uh, any of those kinds of emotions. And, and oftentimes, as I've said before on this uh, program and, and on television as well, you know, women... Uh, will do not connect the dots to the misery of their life in the present moment is connected to this abortion that they had in the past. Um, and so that could be the same for you, sir. And maybe this is something you've experienced. Well, what I want you to know is that you're not alone, that healing is possible, that deep forgiveness of God is possible, and a new way of approaching life by way of the mercy of God is possible. Uh, so I, I, we want to give you that word of hope. And this is what Project Joseph does and Reg Platt has been at this now for 10 years, um, and it's a wonderful mission. There is a retreat that's coming up. The the website is projectjosephdallas.org, projectjosephdallas.org. You can click on that. uh, Go to that homepage. You're going to see that uh, there are all kinds of support resources available there, and you can check out some of the upcoming retreats. Now, there is one that is happening uh, this uh, very weekend. Uh, so the, and this really is the kickoff for their uh, 2024 retreats. It is this Saturday and Sunday, the 17th and the 18th. I don't know if it's too late to join or not. I don't think so. Uh, might be. But nonetheless, uh, this retreat is this weekend. I know it's soon, but you know, sometimes... <laughs> Nothing is more welcome than a life preserver when you feel yourself drowning in the 11th hour out there in that water, right? Uh, and this might well be precisely your life preserver. It might be exactly what the Lord is throwing out to you in this moment. So go out to Project Joseph dallas.org. Click on retreats. You'll see this first retreat. You can click on that. It'll take you to a landing page. It also has uh, the dates for the two next retreats, uh, one in August and one in September. Uh, So, you know, I want to give visibility uh, to uh, this this tremendous effort on the part of of, uh, Project Joseph, Reg Platt, all of those in uh, the Archdiocese there of Dallas-Fort Worth. And I want to share with you, or Fort Worth-Dallas, I want to share with you uh, as well that, that Project Joseph um, has, has uh, also taken root in Indianapolis. I would love to see this growing all over the nation. Uh, so, you know, we encourage you uh, to reach out. Uh, we continue to live in a land while it's no longer the law of the land. Uh, it has been codified uh, to... Uh, to to limits that we didn't even know uh, in in the federal law uh, that existed, to limits that we don't even know in the states. And so many states are allowing abortion up and through the nine months of pregnancy. Can you believe such a thing? I mean, it, 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 it is all horrific from the moment of conception until birth. 
abortion is being allowed by various states. This is such a travesty. We wonder, why are we in such a mess in this world? Why is our nation in such a mess? We have taken ourselves out of the protective blessing that God has for us by way of the sin that we have legitimated through law. Now, we have not made it moral. There is a difference between legal and moral. It may well be legal, but it certainly isn't moral. And we see this in ever so many ways where we as a nation have codified things, striven to, to, to legitimate, it's striven a word, striven or strive to legitimate things that are so heinous, such an abomination to God, and we call it right. It's my right. We have no right that is outside of the law of God, no right whatsoever. We are not the creator of the universe and we are not the creator of our own reality. We might live in the reality that, that we, we, we bring into being by way of our actions, but we didn't create that which is true, that which is good, that which is beautiful, that which is God. So all of that being said, I, I encourage you uh, to check out Project uh, Joseph. Uh, it can be quite quite helpful to you. That's projectjosephdallas.org. Now, I've got a phone number as well. It's not an 800 number, so you'd have to have your pen at the ready. Uh, It's 469-720-CARE, C-A-R-E, 469-720-CARE. Just remember those two groups of three digits, 469-720 and the word CARE. Uh, available for you there. The, very happy to talk with you. The Project Joseph people are. Okay, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986 is the way that you can join us today. Let's uh, warm things up here with a call that was left for us. So let's go to it, Rich. I was just wondering if the God of Israel was called Yahweh. That was my only question. Thank you. Well, thanks for your call. Uh, This is my understanding. Uh, The Israelites did not pronounce the name of God. They considered it too holy to be even pronounced. So they represented it by letters that if we were to try to sound them out, would sound out Yahweh. So did the Israelites pronounce his name? To my understanding, no, they did not. Uh, Was it signified by letters? Yes, it was. Um, And if we were to try to extrapolate those letters, uh, we would extrapolate it to Yahweh. So I think that that is more of an extrapolation of the name of God that the Israelites would not pronounce as opposed to a name that the Israelites did pronounce. So I hope that that helps you. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That is the way uh, that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live. Uh, We do have a caller coming in. I want you to call us too. Please do make use of that number. Again, it's 833-288-EWTN. Rich, let's take another call while we are getting Ryan from South Carolina up on the board for us. Hi, my name is Andrew from Waterbury, Connecticut. The question I have is, what happens to women that have children without being married? Where will they go in the end when God comes? Goodbye now. Well, thanks, Andrew from Waterbury, Connecticut. Here's the answer to your question. It depends upon what the woman does about that. Uh, So really, at the point in time that the woman conceived a child without wedlock, she was committing a uh, grave sin. 
uh, she was committing a mortal sin. And we know that uh, we call it mortal because it deals a death blow to the spiritual life, right? Uh, it, it, it deals a death blow to the life of God within us. So if the woman remains in that state, then she is consigning herself to the judgment that God gives her. Now, only God uh, can determine the culpability of an individual who commits a sin. By culpability, we mean the extent or the degree to which that sin uh, that they objectively committed has an effect on their soul. Uh, that culpability can be mitigated by extenuating circumstances. Uh, for example, if a woman was raped, uh, she wouldn't be culpable for the conception of that child at all. It was a violent action that was committed against her. Uh, God's mercy is there for her to be healed from the horror that she experienced through that violent action. I don't mean the conception of the child. I mean the action itself that was perpetrated against her. Uh, so there is that, right? Now, if, if that woman who is raped... Uh, 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 takes that sin uh, uh, that was committed against her and commits sin as a result of it, such as uh, obtaining an abortion, she's going to need to repent of that sin. And that is exactly what a woman who has uh, willingly uh, committed uh, sexual sin, uh, willingly uh, committing a sin that led to the conception of the child. That's exactly what she needs to do. If she goes before the throne of God and is sorry Sorry for her sin, uh, you know, and, 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 and strives for perfect contrition. Imperfect contrition is, you know, we're sorry for the sin, but we're sorry because of the consequences that this sin might cause for our eternal life. Like, oh, golly, I'm really sorry. I don't want to end up in hell, so I'm going to confession. Well, that's contrition, but it's imperfect contrition. Perfect contrition is that we confess the sin. We're sorry for the sin because it's offended God because we love God and we've offended him. That is perfect contrition. And when we uh, repent of our sin, uh, then God in his mercy and kindness expunges our sin. You know, he tells us that in sacred scripture and our God is a God of his word. So when we are sorry, truly repentant for the sin that we committed, especially repentant because it's offended God, God forgives that sin. Does he forgive it with imperfect contrition? He does. But again, I don't know how it is that God weighs out, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, way in which the sin affects us, uh, uh, you know, an imperfect contrition. I'm, I'm not sure how he weighs that. He, he might weigh it and say, yes, you're, <clears throat> you are, you are forgiven of your sin. Absolutely. You will not experience, you know, the, the pangs of hell, but there might be some time that is spent in purgatory for this sin. But when we achieve perfect contrition, because we love God and we're sorry we've offended him, then we've attained something great indeed. Uh, and, and repentance is ours. So where is God going to send her on judgment day? I suppose that's up to the woman and what she does about the sin. Thank you for your call. Really appreciated it and enjoyed it. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986 is the way you can join us. Ryan is ready for us and we're going to take Ryan right after uh, we go to this break. So I'm encouraging you to give us a call. This is a great opportunity to light up those phone lines for me. 833-288-EWTN. Again, social media available for you. I think that Michael McCall must be drumming his fingers there. He wants to hear from you. Uh, leave your question or comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement right there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and or Facebook page. Don't want you to forget about Project Joseph. Don't want you to forget 
about uh, our website and all of the upcoming events. Don't want you to forget about the Good Lenten programs that EWTN Radio will be airing during the Lenten season. We're going to that break. We're coming right back. Woohoo! Stay tuned. Join in on the conversation. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 1-833-288-EWTN. 1-833-288-3986. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Janet Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Looking forward to your calls. How about giving me a call today? Uh, Let's talk about those things that are important to your life and important to your faith. We have Ryan with us. Ryan is in South Carolina today, listening to us via Catholic Radio in South Carolina. Good morning to you, Ryan. Good morning, Janet. Thanks for taking my call. No, you're so very welcome. I'm glad you're joining us today. So what's your question? Uh, Yes, so I just got out of confession, and uh, for my penance, the priest uh, said to offer two decades of the rosary for two separate intentions. Uh, okay. And I forgot to I forgot to ask him if I, I try to pray uh, a five decade rosary every day, uh, and I have not done that yet. Does that need to be uh, extra, or can I include those intentions in my daily rosary, which I was planning on praying the sorrowful uh, today? So that was my question. Ryan, thank you for your question. It's a good question, and I just really want to uh, affirm you in your decision to pray a daily rosary. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer practice this is, and you're really fulfilling a request of our Blessed Mother, and I I don't know how that makes you feel, but every time I'm praying my rosary and it comes into my mind, you know, that I am fulfilling what our Blessed Mother asked uh, us all to do, uh, it it makes me happy because I know it makes our mother happy, and making her happy makes me happy. So that's a beautiful thing, and I want to affirm you in that in that holy practice that you have uh, begun. Uh, that being said, your daily rosary is your daily rosary. So if a priest gives you a penance to pray two decades of the rosary, that is specific to the sacrament that you have just received. So you would pray those two decades separate from your daily rosary. Well, thank you very much. That's very clear. And well, good. I'm very glad. I'm very, very glad. And we, we want to do that, right? I mean, you know, we can't pray too much. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for your call, Ryan. I'm sure that others have questions very similar to yours. <laughs> God bless you too. Bye-bye now. I know. I just love that. You know what I love about that call? I love about the, 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 the call, the fact that, you know, Ryan wants to be docile to what it is that the priest asked him to do. He wants to be docile to that to that penance that was given to him. And docility is such a beautiful, beautiful virtue. And it's a hard, it's a hard one virtue, especially if you have a temperament that um, is kind of willful and stubborn. I don't, I don't know uh, how it is for you. Uh, but I, I do know that for those that, that, uh, you know, have, have, oh, a certain way of seeing things and a certain way of doing things to be docile to the instruction of another uh, can be quite a difficult matter. But in the spiritual life, docility is one of the chief virtues that is necessary because it does require simply that it requires a certain dying to self, 
right? It requires um, an effort to let go of, of our way of, uh, of viewing things or our wants, our desires, um, uh, you know, our determined perspective uh, to uh, open ourselves up to something which is being presented to us that can ultimately and most typically be a far greater benefit to us than what it is that we would do. And I remember, uh, and, and I, was, I was sharing this uh, last week with Bishop William Watershide, who was my guest on television. Those programs are going to be airing, I believe it's beginning, oh, February 27th or 22nd, somewhere in there, uh, on, on our television program, uh, Women of Grace, which is seen on EWTN television at 1 p.m., Monday through Fridays, that's Eastern time. But anyway, I was, I was sharing this quotation with him, and I said, I don't remember if it was Bernard of Claire. Clairvaux, or I don't remember if it was Bonaventure, not really sure who it was. And he thought it was Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, but Bernard of Clairvaux uh, talked, was, was giving some, you know, spiritual insights and direction uh, in something that he had written. And he said that when it comes to obedience, see, because docility is, is directly linked to obedience. When it comes to the virtue of obedience, um, it is better for us to obey uh, and do something uh, according to the will of our superior or authority rather than our own, even if we know in our own heart that our way is better. He says it is better to be obedient. Now, being obedient, you know, uh, is one thing. Being obedient with gritted teeth and being all huffy and mad about it is one thing. But being obedient out of the virtue of docility is quite another thing. Uh, being docile uh, and respectful of the authority that comes by way of the person, even if we know we're right, or even if we know our way is better. Now that shows great spiritual growth and maturity. So that virtue of docility is, is very important. Uh, in addition to that, it is one of the chief virtues of our Blessed Mother. Uh, our Blessed Mother was docile. Uh, she, 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 uh, her humility, uh, you know, uh, was, was so great uh, that, that docility, which really is an act of humility in and of itself, uh, was something that uh, to a quintessential degree uh, was hers and which she exhibited. So, uh, you know, Ryan indicates that docility and wanting to do uh, what it is that father wanted him to do. And also, in addition to that, uh, you know, wanting the clarification on what the priest most likely meant so that he could be a good son of the church. So kudos to you, Ryan. Uh, YouTube, Leah, I am a first-time submitter. My brother is divorced. He has been living with his partner for 10 years, who is also divorced. Should I go to their wedding? So here I am. I'm going to ring my bell uh, to welcome you, Leah, and thank you for your question. What I don't know uh, from your question is, you know, when we hear the word partner today, uh, you know, it, it has the connotation that the partner is a same-sex partner. And what I want to say is it doesn't really matter if it's a same-sex partner or if it is uh, not a, 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 a same-sex partner, if it's a woman. The fact of the matter is that he is divorced, first of all, living together with anyone in, in, a, in a conjugal fashion uh, is sinful. Cohabitation, uh, playing house, as husband and wife, is a sinful thing to do. Uh, 
So on the face of it, uh, that is a sin. Uh, the sin is compounded if, in fact, this is a same-sex partner. Uh, so all of that being said, before he can enter into uh, a, a true marriage, there, he has to investigate the possibility that there is a reason for a decree of nullity for that marriage. And even if the decree is given, then he has to repent of the sin of, of living together, uh, you know, uh, to acting as man and wife outside of the uh, marriage covenant. He has to confess that sin uh, before he would get married. Um, now, if in fact this is a same-sex partner, he has to confess that sin, and he could never marry that individual. That is not a marriage. It might be a civil union, but it certainly isn't a marriage because marriage is a covenant. And a covenant is something that is contracted uh, in, in, in the sense of, of, uh, of, of the sacrament of matrimony. It is co- it's a covenantal relationship in God, and God would never abide by that kind of of a union. So I hope that that helps you. You know, I know that these questions are becoming more and more common because of the world in which we're living today. Uh, we're living in, in a world today that uh, is, is devoid of taboos. You know what a taboo is? Uh, a taboo is a social constraint uh, that, that uh, the, the, the culture holds toward a certain way of behaving. And taboos, um, healthy taboos, taboos that arise from, 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 from the moral law. Taboos are very healthy in keeping society in check. So that being said, uh, what was once frowned upon, the cohabitation of a man and a woman, uh, back in, 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 in my day, if they lived together longer than seven years, it was considered to be a common law marriage, uh, not a covenantal union, but something that was recognized by the state because of the length of time, nonetheless an abomination to God. Um, uh, cohabitation and even those kinds of, you know, civilly recognized in situations because of the length of time, but devoid of even a, 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 a civil marriage, uh, those kind of things were frowned upon. Not just frowned upon, they, they weren't socially acceptable. Uh, there was a taboo regarding that. Well, we're living in a day and time where there are no taboos on anything. If there's a taboo today, it's a taboo on speaking out against those things for which there used to be a taboo. That's the social taboo. You know, everything has been turned topsy-turvy. And so we live in this day and time where right is wrong and wrong is right. At least it's declared by uh, the the, the cultural mindset of the day, declared through the media. Uh, We, as Catholics, you know, really don't even... Uh, seem to be overly troubled when our own children are cohabitating. And we should be troubled if our children are cohabitating. They're putting their immortal soul into jeopardy. So, you you know, we, we, we live in a day and time where we have to speak out on these things. So, Leah, should you go to their wedding? That's the last part of your, your question. Well, it's not really a wedding. It's, 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 it's a caricature of what a wedding's supposed to be which is a covenantal union between one man and, and one woman for life. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that, no, you can't go. You cannot support it. I know that this is hard. You know, I really do. I know that it's hard. You know, uh, you know perish the thought that, that any of you should face such decisions, but I know lots of you are and have faced such decisions. We don't want to cut off relationships with our child, but we want the best for our child. 
and and the the wedding you know the attendance at the wedding is is really a a public approbation you know an acknowledgement and a clapping a public approbation uh, of of our acceptance of what's taking place we need to talk with our child we don't want to sever the lines of communication however so it's it's a very very fine line a very fine line to walk um and I know it's happened, you know, it's happened in my own situations in life. And I, I pray to God it doesn't happen again. We, we just never know. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, what, what is the witness we're giving when we should be looking at a situation as something that is scandalous? I don't know. Uh, so there you go. Well, I do know. I, you know, I do know what we not need to do, and that is that we have to stand firm, and that which is true, good, and beautiful, and that would not be true, good, and beautiful, and it wouldn't be true at all. Eight three three two eight eight EWTN is the way that you can join us today. The phone lines are all open for you. Surely Ryan is not the only one with a question out there, so do give us a call eight three three two eight eight three nine eight six. On the other hand, social media is busy today, and I'm happy for that. Uh, EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page is available for you. So Georgia says about repentance and sin. Does sin affect our life? I mean, not only our souls but our state. Uh, yes, Georgia. Uh, sin affects everything. Uh, sin affects everything. There is no such thing as a private sin. That's another myth or lie of our day and time. There is no such thing as a private sin. Father Wade Menezes talks about that reality, and he talks about how there is an effect even to the cosmos and to the created order for the sin in which we commit. And so, yes, sin affects everything. It affects our life. Uh, but God's grace, God's mercy is greater than any sin. And this is why we encourage you to go to the sacrament of reconciliation if you have sinned against God and man. Uh, When you sin against man, you're sinning against God. Uh, So the fact of the matter is, God who loves you uh, does not want to leave you in the morass that you're in at the moment. He wants to lift you out of it. And the way in which he does that is by giving you his mercy. And that mercy is expressed and given to us through the sacrament of reconciliation. As soon as we realize we've sinned, venial but most certainly mortal, we make repentance to God and hopefully it is perfect contrition. That, that we have offended God and we're sorry that we've offended him. And we're just not mouthing the words, but we feel compunction. What is compunction? Compunction is, is a piercing of the heart. It's a piercing of the soul. And what is that? That piercing of the heart, that piercing of the soul uh, is a sign of remorse. We feel a deep remorse for our sin. We're truly sorry. And that's a good thing. And, and I know for some sins that I committed in my past, I can look back right now and the remorse is still there. And that's a healthy thing because that remorse, uh, that, 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 that deep sorrow helps to prevent me from sinning in the same way in the future, right? Uh, So, but sin does affect our life. And if that sin remains unrepented of, then, you know, it it affects our life to a greater degree. We need healing for the sins that we have committed. We need healing. Uh, God wants to take us on a journey of, of restoration and renewal by way of that redemptive grace that we receive through the sacrament. You know, there are some sins that we've committed that, 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 that scathe us terribly 
and, and can last a lifetime. We were talking earlier about Project Joseph and the good work that it does. You know, uh, we know that that for, for, for very grave sins, the, the lingering effects of those sins can be something that we need to seek healing for. And the problem with, 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 with these wounds of the heart that come by way of sin or the sins of others against us is that it, 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 it distorts the way in which we see ourselves, and it distorts the, see, the way in which we see the world. And what we discover and find is that we are, we are acting out of this distorted worldview. And when we act out of that distorted worldview, we're acting in dysfunction. And as we act in dysfunction, all rooted back to the sin and the wound that the sin uh, caused us, then we affect the lives of others. And this is this is this is part and parcel of what we see happening in the world today. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take you know a great deal of thinking to see how this is true. Take take the sin. Of, of, um, of using illegal drugs, drugs that are harmful to the body. Take the sin of using drugs, period, even legal drugs take, take, uh, that, that, that we use to excess. Uh, alcohol, for example, or marijuana, which I still think should be illegal. Uh, t- take, take, take that and see the effect that it has on a life. See what the effect of that drug has on a family. See what the, the effect of that drug has on a society. Isn't that what we're living with, uh, you know, in, in so many individuals that are on the streets today? See uh, how that, that, that uh, sin that we might have considered to be a personal sin is not personal at all, but leads to a corporate effect. And uh, see how it is then that this person finds himself or herself in deleterious straits, uh, maybe committing other sins just for the, the the hope of getting some money to buy the drug. We, we see that cycle. I, I think that that's a profound example of it. Uh, but that is the way that it goes with all serious sin. Uh, the sin of abortion, for example, with regard to women, oftentimes leads to dysfunctional behavior that gets affected, gets acted out within the family. And this is why we want to bring awareness to the fact that you know <laughs> this is not a right. You know, and, and there's nothing good that comes from it. Certainly the the greatest horror that comes from it is the death of the child created in the image and likeness of God over which uh, we, 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 we have no right at all. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, but the way in which that affects a woman, you know, we see that oftentimes, well, the majority of abortions are, uh, a, a, you know, a second or a third or a fourth, fifth or sixth, name a number, abortion. It's usually the woman who has had an abortion uh, that ends up back at the abortion clinic. So we, we can see how this can lead to so, so many evil and difficult things. Uh, Joe out there on YouTube today, I think they are bad. I don't have any. What is the church's teaching on tattoos? The topic came up the other day. Thank you. Okay. Well, okay, Joe, uh, you know, you know, I'm not... I'm not in favor of tattoos. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't have family members that have tattoos, but I'm not in favor of tattoos. Um, the fact of the matter is, however, the church does speak actually to tattoos, and I'm going to try to find this really fast in the catechism, uh, but uh, I think you might be surprised at what the church says uh, about tattoos. I see, I see it. I'm not finding it really fast here. Um, but the church talks about uh, 
a tattoo uh, with respect to the body. And the church does not teach against uh, having a tattoo. The church teaches against the, the, the type of tattooing that defiles uh, the body in and of itself. Remember, we are created body and soul right? We are created body and soul. The body matters to God. He created the body. The human person is created in the image and likeness of God, right? He created the human body. He created it for a a purpose. Therefore, we have a responsibility of stewardship to our body. Anything that defiles that body uh, makes that body look other than the way in which God's created that body to look in terms of of, of um, egregious action. Uh, that in and of itself uh, is an offense to God, and that would be sinful. So, uh, p- body piercing, you know, what would be what would be uh, you know an acceptable amount of body piercing? Well, you know having your ear pierced, you know, that is not an abomination to God, but, but piercing ourselves all over our body, that would be frowned upon by God. Tattooing our body, sleeving all of this business, that would be frowned upon by God. So, you know, the, the church is very reasonable. The church is not unreasonable. Uh, when we begin to exceed reason, then that becomes problematic. Uh, and so uh, I would encourage you to get out there. I just was looking under tattoo uh, in my catechism index, and it, I, it didn't come up. But I know that it's in there. Uh, you know, so I'm still trying to find it for you so I can read it directly. Because it's a good question. We see, we see so much of this. Okay, so here we go. Uh, what does the church teach about tattooing? Um, let me find it right here for you. It says... Um, uh, uh, let me see if it's going to point. I have an answer here, but I'm looking to see if it points to the catechism, and I'm not actually seeing the catechism reference to it. So I'm probably not going to be able to find that, but you can find it. Uh, so, And you can get exactly... Uh, let me just put in Catholic catechism here. Okay, let's see here. Uh, it says the church does not say that we should avoid practices. The church does say that we should avoid practices that mutilate or damage our body, uh, as you can see in number 2296 of the catechism. Some tattoos could be morally permissible, but there are a number of points to take into consideration. So I'm going to try to get to 2296 before we go off the air here. Uh, and um, let's see, it has to do with uh, respect for the body as I was sharing with you. And, um, uh, you know, we find out that, uh, again, the church doesn't teach against it. Uh, The church teaches against something that would mutilate or damage our body. So that's probably the best that I can do for you in this short period of time that I have left here. So I hope that that does help you, Joan, nonetheless. Well, thank you all so very much. Uh, There is a scripture passage that comes to us uh, in sacred scripture from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. It says, do not put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. So there you have it good advice to follow right there from sacred scripture all right we're looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow you know what tomorrow is it's wednesday that means that sue brinkman is going to be with us we are eager 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 to have her and to have you with us tomorrow get your questions ready Uh, we're going to be right here for you at the same time on the same station as we discuss issues of importance to your life and your faith 
Uh, we look forward to being with you Monday through Friday. Till we're together again, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye now.